My name is Christina, and thank you for checking in to the Humphrey Widow Seas. This is a podcast where a friend and I talk about our original characters. The good, the bad, and the self-inserts. And, uh, returning guest, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Marianne Cullinan, or Calliope, on Twitter, and I'm excited to be back with another weird OC. Yes, now, now you say weird, but... (laughs) <laughs> but I believe, and if I may quote myself, uh, you said, let me scroll back. I have a, I have a new really silly OC I would love to talk about with you. That's right. And my reaction was, bread friend. Bread friend. Yeah, I'm here to talk about Biscuit, the little girl Excellent. made of bread. Excellent. Excellent. I want to hear all about Biscuit. So would you like to start with... How how you came up with Biscuit as a character, or like would would you rather talk about first her like her backstory as a being? Sure. So Biscuit started out as an NPC in a D and D campaign, or like a little mini campaign I made adventure mm-hmm. called Rubette's Mansion Heist, and it's one of those sort of Mission Impossible heist stories where you have to mm-hmm, get mm-hmm. into a masquerade ball and, you know, find the signet ring. And so mm-hmm. she was this very small character of the sort of wide-eyed little girl servant mm-hmm. who would just tell you if you talked to her that there was a back staircase. That was her whole purpose <laughs> in the whole story. But... Everyone, I started doing this with middle schoolers, and they all became ah. obsessed with her. And she would say, you know, if I'm, if I don't tell the truth, then the cook will hit me with a spoon because there's a very like sort of bad tempered cook. Mm-hmm. And everyone, all the middle schoolers, took that exceedingly personally and decided <laughs> that they were going to adopt her. And of course, rolled a d twenty at the exact right time, got a nat twenty. And Mm -hmm. the girl who rolled the nat 20 was a druid in bird shape. Okay. So, and then came out of bird shape and was like, I'm your mom now. And so I had Biscuit (laughs) as the NPC be like, you ate my mom, bird mom. Are you inside this, you know, this lady? And she would like open the lady's mouth and yell down and to, to talk to bird mom. Oh my gosh. You know, and that was it. But then, so then they all decided they loved her. And mm-hmm. I just named her Biscuit because she was sort of a very small part. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. was, you know, like a scullery maid. And they decided she was made of bread. They, okay, so the party decided that she was made of bread. Yeah, so the original party that met her uh-huh. used her in a later story and decided she was a bread golem. Interesting, okay, okay. And so that's now canon as her backstory, is that she is made of bread. Okay, Okay, because I I was going to ask, I was like, okay, so you mentioned that this was for uh for an adventure that you were running, like my brain is going like, okay, like something on the in the vein of like Candyland, where you got food people, but no, the bread part came later, huh? The bread part came later, but I've run this mansion heist a lot uh-huh. of times with a lot of people, and now 
biscuit is canonically a bread golem. And so this whole, the whole mansion has a steampunk sort of artificer vibe. Okay. So now in the deceased um, man of the house, the his like workshop, because mm-hmm. uh, you're you're in this story, you're trying to get the signet ring from his widow for his sketchy brother, and there's really okay. no good guys in the story. Everyone's sort of except sketchy. biscuit. Yeah, a la it's very a la Tiger King. Okay, um, okay. Personalities are the adults. But now, when you go into his workshop, there are other little children, like, baking. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Um, so that, that has now become part of it. So, you know, she's just really dumb. But part of why she's, <laughs> you know, she's literally a biscuit. So it's not really her fault. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got to play a five or six week campaign of masks, which is oh, yeah. this is a turn I was not expecting. And so I decided to use her as my OC for masks. Okay, okay. And for for listeners who are not familiar with masks, it's uh, it is a D six superhero system. Yep, it's powered by the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. And um, so you choose, everybody gets to be a superhero trope, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? And so there's like, oh, I forget, but like the haunted one and there's, yeah. you know, the psychic one and stuff. So this is the new mm-hmm. one. Okay, okay. Um, so this is this playbook that I used for her is the newborn and so some of the, here's the, the shtick of it is, you're a brand new being created through scientific inquiry, a feat of engineering, or random chance. This world is new to you, full of wonder and adventure. It's not easy, though. Everyone has an opinion about who you are and what you should do. It's time to find out for yourself. And one of okay. her main moves is um, not from around here. When you act clueless, goofy, or confused to get out of a sticky situation, roll plus freak. Okay, and, uh, okay. Yeah. So, so is, that's, it fit really well, actually, when I was yeah. looking at the playbooks. I'm like, hey, this is Biscuit. I, I feel like the important question here is, with masks, is Biscuit still made of bread? Or are her powers to do bread things? No, no, she's made of bread. Okay, okay. So, do you know? Have you ever seen that art from the 60s and 70s of those real sad children with the enormous eyes? Oh, the precious moments. Yeah. Yes, I had some of those growing up. Right. Well, and there's this documentary called Big Eyes where there's like paintings of it too. But right, those precious moments. Exactly. That's what she looks like. Oh my gosh. Except we decided she's actually made out of like bread and dough. So there were definitely times where she got, like, smushed, and then not all of her facial features came back in the same place. Oh, no. So there was a little inspiration from uh, the Doctor Who episode of the very last human being there ever was, and she's all stretched out. Ah, yes. Moisturize me. Right, and she needs to be moisturized all the time. 
So there was a little bit of that going on, too. Um, okay, okay. And so because every time she got injured, we just sort of had either, like, you know, a piece of her blow off and like, or, like, she gets hit and her eyes sort of end up in a different place. So she's a very creepy doll child with huge eyes that are in the wrong place. And, and every, okay. time, every time she gets really injured, if she has to, like, come back, she can get rebaked. You know, she can go back in the oven for a little while. <laughs> Crack open the sourdough starter. Exactly. And come back. That's a different character. Oh. My sourdough starter character is called Dobie Wan. <laughs> and he's and he's from a can. He is, it's like the B-1 mason jar. Okay. A sourdough starter. I do love a good pun. But that's a different essay. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Uh, but I think what's really fun is most of the time, you know, I like to play characters that are smart and they might be grumpy or weird, but they're relatively smart and Mm -hmm. she's very dumb, but she's (laughs) very innocent and will sometimes come across things. Mm -hmm. Um... Or she'll do things that are completely ridiculous, but because she's a small child, she can get away with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear some examples of this. Sure. So, um, in our story, um, everybody was taken by, like, a galactic space force, like a police... As you are. As you are. You know, like a to be questioned or whatever. So mm-hmm. she decided that she was going to help. And then, like, every time the police officer would do anything, she would copy it. <laughs> you know, and be like. <clears throat> and um, the police officer was named, I don't know, what is it, Hamlet or something. And she would call him, like, Hammy, Ham, Ham, Ham. And, you know, just get away. When you're a small child, you can get away with things that other people cannot. That is true. That is very um, true. <laughs> And so, and a lot of just sort of taking things very literally. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's some freedom in doing that as well. That, yeah, that is, that is true. It's, it's the dichotomy of like, you want, of like playing a character who is more, who is more literal and less like, less, I'm going to say like analytical than like, the people playing them usually are. Right. And like it's it's the line between being being dumb and being so dumb that it hinders the flow of play. Well, that's exactly right. And I think this kind of character is really fun because it's so much improv. Mhm. Because whatever happens, she can sort of either take it completely wrong or focus on the wrong thing or mm-hmm. you know like they go in there and she wants to know about the snacks. Is there a, you know, a mini fridge? What kind of snacks are in there? But, mm-hmm. right, as a player, it's about sort of having that comedic timing, but then backing off and allowing there to be plot development also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you talking about being a player um, uh, reminded me that I was going to ask, how did you kind of, like, translate Biscuit from being an NPC that you were running as the DM to being your player character. 
Like, was it different in changing, like, they are, like, Biscuit is someone who is, for 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 all intents and purposes, part of the narrative that the players are participating in versus having an active role in being a participant yourself. I think the advantage is that I've run this adventure mm-hmm. that she came out of a lot of times now. It's a pretty standard one that I do with new groups, partially mm-hmm. um, because it has so... It, it's sort of modular, where depending on what you choose, the adventure goes slightly different ways, but, you know, there doesn't have to be combat, there doesn't have to be puzzles. Yeah, it's it's more structured than an open-world game, but it is less structured than, I'm going to use an example here, some of the Adventurers League like stuff for D&D that I've participated in personally. Oh my gosh, as... Probably anyone who's listening to me can imagine. I am, like, the worst nightmare of the Adventurers League. God love you, Adventurers League. I salute you. (laughs) But, like, you know, yeah. I just, that kind of really specific play Mm -hmm. is probably not a place where Biscuit or me would shine. Is my been my experience. Um, Mm -hmm. So... I think because I've been able to run her and sort of flesh out like she is actually a biscuit and sometimes Mm -hmm. they want her to take them, like they find out that she can take them upstairs to the bedroom and Mm -hmm. has access to the bedroom where there's a big dog that she can't describe very well and it ends up being a sort of undead flesh golem of a lot of small yappy dogs. And it oh no off and like <clears throat> ate one of her sisters and stuff and so everyone is horrified and then later they find out that she's made out of bread and that sort of feels better <clears throat> sometimes because mm-hmm. she's not mm-hmm. an actual child but um so I have enough to go on with that but mm-hmm. but I do think it's really important when you're playing a character that is mostly for comedic effect. Um, that thoughtfulness of not sucking all the air out of the room. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. making sure that there's room for the people who are actually doing the plot. Cats followed me. Oh, excuse me a second. A cat followed you? <laughs> yeah, my daughter just came right home. Okay. We'll pick her up and bring her in. We have a soft spot for strays at this house. So maybe that's why I like biscuits so much. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think about like I love that idea of the newborn and I mm-hmm. guess I also I like the idea there's so much tragic backstory in role playing right like so many OCs have these terribly tragic backstories yes it's like if you're doing a bingo game of character creation the free right. square is dead parents dead parents right <laughs> And I mean, that makes sense because if you, it's the same thing with a Disney movie, um, Uh I write children's Uh plays, like Uh you can't have the parents be like functional in there or nothing interesting ever happens to you. Unless. Right. (laughs) Right. But you know, like if you have parents there doing their job, they make you like go to bed. They don't let you jump on a pirate ship or go Mm -hmm. to space or whatever most of the time. So... You know, I get it, the tragic backstory. Um, I teach middle school. 
It is the cavalcade of tragic backstories. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think what I like about one of the other things I like about the newborn and about Biscuit in particular is she's mm-hmm. just happy. Everything is wonderful, and like, and I mean that in the like capital W like wonder way, right? Mm-hmm. Like she's what everything's neat. She likes everybody. Mm-hmm. She, you know, unless proven otherwise, she's not jaded. She's interested in the world. All things are interesting to her. Mm-hmm. She's very. Mm-hmm. She's a little creepy, which is fun, um, but not on purpose. And she's made out of dough, so she's pretty indestructible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. when she gets injured, like, her eyeball moves down to the bottom half of her face. Or, like, pops out the back. But she's not, like, bleeding, right? And so, it's sort of refreshing. Yeah. You it's know, it's all of... for the comedy. Right. And it's just fun to play that sometimes. And she's, I guess it's comedy, but also, you know, in masks where you're playing these teenage superheroes who are trying to come to term with power and stuff. Like a lot of my other, the other OCs in our group did have tragic backstories. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's nice to have someone who's just sort of there for the ride. Yeah. And enjoying it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, we're going to space now? All right, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. And plus, I imagine that's also helpful to the person who is running the masks game because you have someone who will usually probably say yes and to adventure hooks and plot details and mysteries. Well, and I think if you play it right, too, then she can, you know, if someone's sad, like she can come over and pat them on the face and say, you seem sad. I don't know why you're sad. We should play some games, right? Mm-hmm. And and that allows for um, it can allow space for character development from other people too. Because the thing is, there's not like a lot of character to develop when you're a biscuit <laughs> with like literally no backstory except that somebody made you into like a creepy oven, right? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and so so I think it can be the springboard. For other people's backstories. Um, and I think that's fun too. Because it allows. It allows for other people. It, it allows space for other people to shine. Yeah that's true. It's not often that you hear about. Characters that are created. Specifically to help set others up. <laughs> with like. Character development and stuff. Right. You know, in other characters I do, that's not the purpose at all. But I I do find it refreshing. You know, as I said, I teach middle school and that free square is dead parents. You might maybe (laughs) even killed your parents um, or you're like um, a runaway. You're you're the pick me princess. She's not like other girls. She's running away from her marriage so she can. It's It's nice to see that some things never change. Right. Well, and they don't know it's a trope because to mm-hmm. them it feels very real. Uh, mm-hmm. Ready, you know, having going against expectations of your parents, and they don't know that there's been eighty five thousand redheaded sassy princesses in fantasy. Yeah, since and time like immemorial. 
and I didn't mean that in any kind of disparaging way because like when I was in middle school, that's what I was writing. Me too. And I, I know it's hilarious. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, oh my God. But then I have to remember, right? And all the tabaxi <laughs> rogues with tragic backstories who are assassins. Mm-hmm. Who mm-hmm. now because <laughs> Because of the Warrior Cat series, possibly. Yes. <laughs> uh the world Middle school D&D is filled with um, tabaxi rogues and um, there's some barbarians. Mm -hmm. So there's always some dragonborn barbarians out there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, they love that as well. Bards? You know, there's not as many bards as you would expect. There's a lot of fighters, a lot of barbarians, a lot of rogues. Gets a little complicated after that. Yeah, the magic is that much more complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, they have a good time with it. Oh yeah, of course, of course. <laughs> and all they really want to do is uh, flirt with things. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of te- Oh, there's a lot of tieflings too. Now that I mention it. Because everybody feels like they might secretly be like a little bit of a devil on the inside. A misunderstood devil person on the inside. You know, when you're 11. That's oh my I'm god. Right? <laughs> it's so good. I'm just so glad for them. It's so good. I just remember it so well. Like, not the details, but the feeling of being like 12 years old and misunderstood I'm going to be a tiefling princess who runs off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, right, or whose parents were killed and now they have to have revenge. Yes. It's good. <laughs> good stuff. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing because one of my one of my party members in a campaign I'm currently in is the tiefling daughter of a noble whose dad did kill her mom and she is out for revenge. Of course she is! <laughs> I mean, I can't say I blame her. No, but. me either. I mean, it, there's a reason that these through lines come through because mm-hmm. they're universal. But that's, I guess, what makes Biscuit really fun to play is that mm-hmm. like, she just doesn't really have an agenda. Yeah. She's just kind of along for the ride and it gives me an opportunity to be really in the moment and... Mm-hmm. You know, when possible for the plot, and certainly not do things that are going to really derail the campaign. Um, but but a lot mm-hmm. of that, yes, and yeah, and you don't necessarily have to have ulterior motives to make everyone second guess why you're doing what you're doing. Because it's right. like it sounds like Biscuit's motivations are to help people and to have fun right. and. You don't have to have an ulterior motive when those are your two when those are your two motivations. Well, and when you're a really creepy biscuit person, especially <laughs> after you've taken a few blows to the head and your eyes are in the weird spot or whatever, like yeah. somebody blew off one of your beautiful <laughs> little pigtails, then there's this whole like ridiculous creepy factor too that is Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How how do you tell the line when it comes to the line of like body horror versus like like taking the body horror seriously versus like haha look my eye came out the wrong side. Well, I I am more in the ahaha my eye came out the wrong side camp because she doesn't have blood, right? She's mm-hmm. made of dough. 
So if she has, uh, she sort of like she looks like a Precious Moments mm-hmm. cartoon, uh, or one of those big eye paintings, but she doesn't have like organs. So, so she's not. Mm-hmm. I, I guess for me, it's not body horror in that same way. Because mm-hmm. there's no real permanent damage ever being done to her. Yeah, and that's even, true. And even if she is really injured, like she can go back in the oven and then come back out and I'll roll on a random table that sort of says like what her new hair looks like and what her new eye color is. And, and sometimes it's very like precious moments and sometimes mm-hmm. it's really, really off. Oh, that that reminds me, I was going to ask, because when you initially said that you wanted to talk about a bread construct, my thought was like, take take loaf of bread, stack on armature, make it move, there you go. But she has hair, she has she has colored eyes. What does she what does she generally look like? I mean, I think her original I think originally she looked a lot like a Precious Moments doll. Um, let me, if you look up Margaret Keene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so originally she, you know, had sort of like biscuit colored skin and hair. Like that mm-hmm. sort of blonde hair and that sort of like mm-hmm. uh, dinner roll. She, she was mm-hmm. sort of the color of a dinner roll with brown eyes. Okay. Like oversized brown eyes. Then I was sort of like, it would be really funny and just sort of like chaotic to think about all the different colors of eyes she could have, right? Like maybe she mm-hmm. had red hots for eyes as like the basis of it. Then she'd have red eyes or like maybe sometimes she just has like raisin eyes. And I don't think they are exactly raisins. Like she is a, a golem. Yeah. Like a yeah. bread construct. Like she looks like a little girl. There's you know, some magic involved. Yeah, yeah. But that idea that, you know, maybe sometimes the her hair is reconstructed with Twizzlers or something. So, so she might start okay. out looking like Precious Moments, but then another version of her might be like Twizzlers and Red Hots or mm-hmm. Peeps or something. So that it's like, what if mm-hmm. she had Peep hair? <laughs> there you go, there you go. Have it be like the... Yeah, like short and kind of like sugary i'm think. see i was thinking of like if you take the peep and you like turn it upside down to have kind of like a pompadour kind of style yeah yeah and so i love that (laughs) right so then but then it would be like almost not curly but textured in a different way than it would be like if it was spaghetti or if it Mm -hmm. was a twizzler so Mm -hmm. i mean i really think when you're a bread construct you know the possibilities are endless. <laughs> that is very true. Is I th- I think you mentioned that that was something that like that biscuit would change whenever she had to be like rebaked. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that like it does when she does a wardrobe change to use a turn of phrase? Is that something that like she could do outside of a dire situation? Does she like to do? fashion stuff or I have never thought of that before and um so I guess no but she could Mm -hmm. um it's just been like in a dire situation 
so. Okay. But yeah, we were like, does Biscuit eat? Probably yeah. not. Does she does she eat anything? Does she need to drink water? I no, I think she eats maybe like recreationally. Okay. I mean I think she likes snacks. She's a young kid. Does she eat bread products? No, she doesn't eat bread products. Okay. And that okay. was something that was um pretty funny, you know, when we were in the campaign. Mm-hmm. Like, I mm-hmm. think somebody was eating a cracker or something, and she was completely horrified. Yeah, that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, she's like a, a keto diet or something. The South Beach diet. Whatever that is where you just eat meat and vegetables. I could not tell you. Mediterranean diet? Maybe. I don't know. But she does I don't eat know. I don't do bad diets. that would be weird. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be very bread weird people indeed. people can't eat other bread people. <laughs> That's just a, a shade too far. I agree. <laughs> you know, I was thinking more about what you said about the body horror thing, and I think, mm-hmm. I think there is a real difference, right, between that sort of Looney Tunes cartoon violence mm-hmm. and like actual horror. Yeah. And if you think about the Looney Tunes, or um, you know, Three Stooges, or any of that kind of stuff, too much, you're like, ugh. But there's something funny about it because you know it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It is like mm-hmm. clearly meant to not be real. And then I think the horror comes from when it's real, right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that part of also why it's fun to play her is like if if some when the when the undead dog construct ate her fingers off. She could like maybe grow some new fingers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not like an actual child having their actual fingers. Yeah. I I feel like the difference between like between like physical comedy and like body horror is like the stakes involved. Yeah, that's a like, really good point. Cause like you referenced like with Looney Tunes and stuff, you know, like, oh, Wiley Coyote's gonna right. get blown up by his own scheme. But it's like, you know that at the end of the episode, he's going to be holding up the sign that says, like, I'll get you next time. Exactly. Or whatever. And even if he's reduced to a pile of atomic cinders, yeah. that that he will be back. Well, and so I teach improv um, at my middle mm-hmm. school also. And mm-hmm. one of the things we talk about is... And I guess I hadn't thought about it in quite the way you said, but I think that's right on. You know, we play a game called Death by Poetry, and you have to okay. make a limerick. Each person has to make the, the next line of a limerick, and you have to do it fast, and it has to rhyme. And if you oh my, you're out. And that's fine. And you're, you die. And so we have a death by, right? Mm-hmm. And we have some sort of random object or activity. And, like, death by knife is not funny. But, like, death by carrot is funnier. Because how Mm -hmm. could that happen? Or, you know, Mm -hmm. death by uh, plastic water bottle. Like, because then you've got to figure out how that would be, and it's clear that that's not a thing that would actually happen. Yeah, yeah. And so I think when there's a certain level of, like, ludicrousness, then it's Mm -hmm. just silly and it's hyperbole. 
versus, mm-hmm. right? Because, like, death by gunshot is never going to be funny. No. <laughs> like, that's terrible. Yes. So, um, so I think that's part of it, too, for Biscuit mm-hmm. and just in general with humor. Mm-hmm. There's this movie called Kung Pao Enter the Fist, which is maybe the most ridiculous movie ever made. And it's delightful. Okay. And, and it's like a redub of a old 1970s kung fu movie, but also with a lot of very ludicrous parts. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. one of the parts is, at the beginning, is there's this baby that's like the chosen one baby. And yeah. he like rolls down the hill. Mm-hmm. And a, a woman picks him up and says, oh, so cute. Bye-bye. And, like, he lets him keep going down the hill. And he just rolls <laughs> all the way down the hill. And it's like, mm-hmm. like, why is that funny? It's yeah. hilarious. But I guess because, you know, it's not real. It's so mm-hmm. hyperbole. And mm-hmm. it's unexpected, right? Comedy, Yes, think, exactly. Is a lot of times a disconnect between what you expect to have happen and what actually happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think somebody like Biscuit, you know, she takes everything the sort of literal way. She takes and, and is happy and is sort of doesn't read into things the way other people do. And she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily understand like a turn of phrase that somebody might use. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that allows for some comedy in a way that I guess in some ways is similar to Death by Carrots or rolling a baby down a hill because the stakes are low, mm-hmm. she's not real, and if something bad happens to her, you're just going to bake her in the oven again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's not, and it's not the same, it, it's the immortality that isn't the sense of, like, I am burdened by my immortality. It's like, hey, I can do the, I can do the funny thing, and right. you don't need to worry about whether or not I'm going to survive the end of the scene. <laughs> exactly. Right. Um, you know, like, she wanted there to be privacy, so she just sort of stretched herself across the door. Mm-hmm. To sort of wait. For the person to come and be like, surprise! Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, and that kind of stuff is is very silly. I mean, I also don't think she would necessarily work as a um, player character in, like, a and d game. I think it would have to be a very specific campaign. Because, like, I was talking with some friends recently about how it's, like, it is very important to have, like, the tone talk when you're starting a campaign because like if not if if everyone is not on the same page about what kind of what kind of topics may come up where the comedy level is where the drama level is like you're going to have some you're gonna have characters that are on differing levels of seriousness and you know it's like you don't want to have like the like the you don't want to have the the phantom mcedge lord if everyone else is there to have fun adventures and solve problems around the village, that kind of a thing. Yeah, I agree. And I, I hadn't thought of it quite like that. Um, I'm sort of having two colliding thoughts in my brain at once. So I'm going to try to them out. I mean, the first one is, did you see the 
Amazon Legend of Vox Machina cartoon? Uh, I have not. I have. I've seen like pieces of oh it. I haven't gosh, sat down and so watched it. Good. And I never watched Critical Role. <laughs> like I can't. It's mm-hmm. I have ADHD and like four hour sessions is like are you kidding me i have three small children and i work full-time and we're <laughs> like <laughs> i can like maybe make it through the adventure zone um because it's an hour but mm-hmm. it, it's really good but that's exactly right like there's scanlan the like super horny bard mm-hmm. and then there's percy who's like the you know gunslinging edgelord and i mm-hmm. Like, they managed to make it work, but that's a great example, I think, of what you're talking about, where it could potentially not work. And mm-hmm. I guess that brings me to thinking about, you know, we talk a lot about safety tools in middle yes. school and just in general when working with kids. And Good. Good. I think it's so, so important, right, to have lines and veils. And um, I teach... I'm teaching a, a class on American Sign Language using a game called Inspirials, which is this great little game mm-hmm. um, out of the UK. And so just today, I was going over the lines and veils of all the, each group with the group. And we use X cards, um, you know, when something makes you uncomfortable. And they just throw an X, like a physical X up. And it, mm-hmm. we do it in improv, too. And we... We do it in all our role-playing stuff, and now it's become part of our school culture. When somebody's just being, like, ridiculous, you're like, right? And I can do Mm -hmm. that. I can do that when a kid says something that's, like, a little over the line for me to hear as a teacher or whatever. I'm like, absolutely not. Yeah. And they can do it to me, and they do it to each other, and it's tongue-in-cheek. But it also Mm -hmm. gets the point across. Mm -hmm. But I think... I'm responding to what you said, and I, I think the next level is, because I always say, like, we got to keep it PG, maybe a little PG-13, but we're in school, mm-hmm. is that tone discussion. Mm-hmm. Because I am a whimsical gal, and, you know, not every, it, it doesn't matter what the tone is, really, as long as everyone's on the same page. Yes. It, tone doesn't matter if, like you said, if everyone's on the same page, but if there is if, if there is a divide or even a difference, what what others are thinking the tone is, that's when it affects the play and the play experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking from experience. Yeah, well, you know, the only real rule I have about characters for my students is your character mm-hmm. has to want to be there. Like they have very to, good, right? They got to be part of the the group. Otherwise, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing? We're trying to do a collaborative story here, right? Mm-hmm. And so I don't care what their tragic backstory is. I don't care how much of a jerk they are, whatever. But if they don't, if they're sort of not actively working towards the group's goals, then you need to choose a different character for this setting. Mm-hmm. But I also feel like maybe that has to do with tone match too, because a character that would work in a more sort of grim, dark, you know, like emo serious campaign is not going to work in the campaign where they just want to be, um, we, we've coined the term flirter hobos cause they're mm-hmm. like murder hobos, but all they want to do is flirt with everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so I think, 
And I think that you've really given me something to think about for that. Like, oh, cool. We, yeah, how do we work that in and actively have that discussion? Hmm, I'm going to bring this up. I'm speaking at PAX this weekend. I'm going to bring it up on, on my panel. Ooh. About, oh. About character. So I'll have to say, oh, it's on this podcast. And we have this very good discussion. So. Oh, well, thank you. No, that, I think that's a really good point, right? So, mm-hmm. like, how do we manage everyone's expectations? Because in a grimdark campaign, Biscuit would be a super big pain in the ass. Yeah, that could I could see that happening. Right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just not the right setting. And I guess that's yeah. the same thing with D&D. Like, what would even, like, what would she be? You know, mm-hmm. like the mm-hmm. world's worst rogue. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I I feel like the, you said something a minute ago about like, like how, like dealing with the tone and stuff. And like, at least in my experience, campaigns that I've been involved in recently, like we've all had the tone discussion, like as soon as we have a group locked in, like, even if it's not like, even if we don't talk about spoilers, like we talk about, we talk about like major, major themes, like, oh, hey, in this campaign, your characters are, your characters are all going to die and you're going to travel back up through the underworld to get back to the land of the living. Like that was laid out for us before we even really did character creation. So like, we all knew that going in. Yeah, I think. You know, the more I do this hobby and the mm-hmm. more I think about it as a teaching tool and sort of academically, you mm-hmm. know, this is the one of the kind of only things you can really say that all role-playing games share is this idea of collaborative storytelling. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think moving away from this idea that everything is a surprise like, it can be a surprise to the character and not a surprise to the player. Yes. You know, and if, and having that discussion of what do you want? Like, what do you really want for the, to happen for this character? And then I can try to work that in as the DM or be thoughtful about it. And like, mm-hmm. Biscuit, I don't necessarily want anything from her. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and that's okay too. But But this idea of, like, how do we... How do we help people bring their character through an arc that feels satisfying mm-hmm. and give them a purpose. I can know that as the DM or even as the players. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the fun of it, right? Is that we exist in several frames at once. Yes. <laughs> yeah. This um, guy named uh, Gary Allen Fine uh, back in like the day, like 1985 or two or something. Um, He was a sociologist and he was really into um, researching subcultures and he's like the first person who wrote down stuff about D&D players. And and this was like during the Satanic Panic and all this. And he did something on like Little League and stuff. He's done a whole bunch. But his whole thing was this frame theory. That you exist, when you play a role-playing game, you exist in three frames at once. 
like your brain is thinking about three different things at once. One is you as the player who has to like go to the bathroom and eat and manage expectations at the table and your relationship, right? And then one of one is the player as gamer, like that that's the meta gaming part. Mm-hmm. Like how do you utilize what's in your you know, inventory and all that stuff. And then there's you as the character. And then sometimes mm-hmm. there's like frame bleed where something really exciting happens to your character, so you're excited. Mm-hmm. Or like you and the two characters like are friends in the game, so you and the other player feel more friendly or less friendly or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why role-playing games can be really effective, like, social-emotional learning tools, too, because it's a group, it's a collaborative group effort. Yeah. So, you you know, you feel like you've accomplished something together, even though it's an imaginary thing. Um, Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I think, I guess what I'm sort of grasping towards is this idea that we as players, as human beings in the human being frame, Mm-hmm. can know things that the players that the characters don't know and then we can work as players to help the characters get there. Yes. <laughs> Specifically re- to reference one of my own characters. Um the character where the whole party is now in the underworld. <laughs> I yeah. was I was doing some scenes with our with our DM before everyone went to the underworld and like I was like finishing up the scene then I was like I'm so like Burnett I'm so sorry hon right <laughs> like I was apologizing to my character because like like this is this is a character who is not me but it's it's the thing of like any creative endeavor but I'm thinking of fan fiction here in particular it's like you gotta have the you gotta have the bad stuff so you can have so they so the good stuff will be that much more rewarding. Absolutely. Right? I mean you can't have a story that's mm-hmm. like once upon a time nothing happened, the end. Yeah. And then also it's like I can't like I don't wanna have my character be like, Oh well I guess we're all gonna die because oh, they said the magical items are only found beyond the veil of life and the evil is coming sooner than we expected and I'm like character is going to be selectively oblivious about all of the clues that have been laid before her (laughs) well honestly to go back to the adventurers league and god you know i Mm -hmm. please this is not at all it is not my style of play but i totally Mm -hmm. recognize that it's other people's style of play and i love that for them yeah like when i try to play that kind of a game they're like well you know this person's been assassinated and you have to solve the problem but i'm like why don't they have police why are the whole, like, why are the strangers who just were wa- watching this, you know, speech, why are we now in charge? Right? Mm-hmm. And, like, all those questions. And sometimes, sometimes you just have to do the next thing because mm-hmm. of the willing suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Yeah. Personally, I can't ever do Adventurers League because I... <laughs> I I like having I like having the elbow room. Exactly. Me when too. it when it comes to when it comes to playing a game, like I like being able to have the space to like flex if like hey, we want to 
we want to press in this one direction or follow this interesting plot thread and you don't have to worry about like how far you get in the adventure before the end of the night <laughs> well i agree completely um we should play together sometime because i think we have very similar yeah styles. um i'm down whenever you are <laughs> my one of my dear friends um we take turns dming and mm-hmm. he is definitely more that adventurous league style and it's so good for both of us to experience the other person dming right like <laughs> he'll um we had this adventure where we had to travel like 900 miles through the arctic and oh like, my gosh. If I was the DM, that's a travel montage. That's uh-huh. a five minute travel montage. Tell me three things you did in 900 miles, right? Mm-hmm. And he had us go like 40 miles a day for like, you know, a hundred thousand days and like mm-hmm. do random encounter mm-hmm. tables and stuff. And it's so cool. <laughs> no, no joke, Marianne. I was <laughs> in one of my D&D campaigns. We were we were leading and protecting a refugee train, and I think it took us three sessions to get this refugee train across a travel that had taken us a day and a half in-game when we were going without right. an entire town of refugees, and I was like, we've done nothing! <laughs> but it was also because we like hadn't had... We really hadn't had much meaningful character interactions. It was like, oh, hey, here's your plot hook. Here's your plot hook. And the plot hooks are all for later. And now it's like, okay, you know, we sleep. I think, What's next? <laughs> you know, for me, that's that other piece, too. The more I play mm-hmm. and I find, for me, a lot of that enjoyment is is fleshing out those character relationships and I think more and more my session zero is about Mm -hmm. you know lines and veils and safety tools and tone Mm -hmm. but also like how can we establish that and I think that's something that powered by the apocalypse and masks and um Mm -hmm. does really well one of the things Mm -hmm. you have to do in character creation is decide like who has influence over you who are you particularly close to Mm hmm. Mm hmm. That's something that a couple friends and I have done in a new campaign that we've recently picked up. And it's it's really helpful, especially because then, you know, it's like you don't you don't have to. (laughs) It's like you're skipping a step. Yeah. Like, hey, we know each other. We don't have to worry about doing the oh, hi, what's your name? My name is. And, you know, in improv, that's pretty much the only relationship you're not supposed to have with strangers. Because that's boring. Mm-hmm. It's so much more fun to watch people figure out, like, what their relationship is and saying yes and and establishing it. The whole establishing of the relationship is like, okay, that can be kind of mm-hmm. boring. So, like, why don't we start out with some ideas of what the relationship is? So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I mean, and to sort of bring it back to Biscuit, I mean, it's funny yeah, to yeah. say all that. And, you know, <laughs> she definitely, part of the masks thing at, for newborn is uh, you choose one of the people and it says, this person is an exemplary human. They show you around and tell you how things work. 
and the behavior of a different character confuses you again and again. You're determined to understand humanity better by studying them. And so, like, those are Mm -hmm. some good ways to start thinking about, like, how your character would view and interact with some of the other people. And I think that's something that Masks does really well. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of great indie games out there. Or just, oh yeah, or, just, or non, not even indie, but non D and D games. Mm-hmm. If you're not, mm-hmm. if you're more into the narrative and less into the crunch. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, real quick, because because Biscuit is a tabletop character, I always like to ask, uh, what is the coolest thing that Biscuit has done? I think the coolest thing that Biscuit has done um, is when we realize that because she's made of dough, she can probably shapeshift some. Uh-huh. Like she's more, we made her more to be like a pizza dough instead of a, like a cooked biscuit. And okay. So she was able to get under some armor. Like, someone had a bunch of asphalt armor on, and she was able to, like, go up and hug them. Because she wanted to hug them and make them feel happy. But she was basically, like, this weird dough, like, glommed onto the inside of this guy <laughs> underneath this huge arbor as he's trying to be fierce. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think that that was pretty fun. Yeah. And, and pretty disruptive to the big, bad, evil guy's plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As she's trying to, like, give him a little pats and little kisses and stuff so that he you cannot so avoid the comforting hug yeah exactly <laughs> that being said uh i rolled really terribly like three times in a row on it so she did eventually have to open a can of whoop ass because um it would not be comforted oh <laughs> i'm just i'm just thinking of that one gif of the guy running like let me love you yeah, exactly exactly <laughs> Um, I love that about her and how she is completely unaware of how creepy she can be <laughs> with just her love. Mm-hmm. And who amongst mm-hmm. us has it been overbearing with our love at some point in, the, in our lives? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not exempt. <laughs> um, this is a good point then for me to ask. Uh, do you have anything else that you want to talk about with Biscuit before we go into the last question for today? I don't think so. Um, and now I'm going to say something. I guess yeah. <laughs> for me, like, why not? Be a bread golem, man. Be a guy who's 90% a dog, except he has arms on the front that are human arms, so he has to have a mobility device because he has no front legs. Like, this is fantasy. Everybody doesn't have to be an assassin whose parents had a terrible death. I mean, that's fine if they are. That's cool. But, like, mm-hmm. what the hell? It's not real. Do whatever you want. Make it make it good. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, the world needs more biscuit children and less pick-me princesses. I don't know. Like, we're grown-ups now. Let's, let's find some new weird stuff to discover. That's kind of where I'm at with it. Very well said. And it sounds like you kind of covered this already, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and ask the last question, which is, why do you love Biscuit so much? Oh, I love everything about Biscuit. Um, 
I like playing her, and partially because I like her voice. Her voice is like this, and she's really happy most of the time. And even if she's mad, she still has kind of a this voice. Okay, okay. And she has really big wide eyes. <laughs> even when she's very grumpy. You know, and that's, and that's always fun. And it's fun to not, you know, it's fun to be a biscuit child and not uh, a mother of three who works full time and has to make <laughs> adult decisions all of the time. Why not? Yeah, I feel that. I mean, not the mother of three part, but I feel that. Yeah, man, being a grown up's the worst. Cheers, man. I'll drink to that. Say with my sprite. Right. Well, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? When you're grown up, you can do whatever you want, except then you're too tired. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, God, that's too real, Marianne. I know. <laughs> I'm like up past my bedtime doing this. It's ridiculous. <laughs> In that case, then uh, I, I don't want to keep you up too much later. Uh, so. So thank you so much for coming on today to talk about Biscuit. This has been a delight. Yeah, I always love talking to you. So now I'm going to have to make up some other weird characters so I can come back. Hey, always welcome back. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, So if people want to hear more about you or your characters, uh, where would you like to be found on the internet? And do you have things that you want to shout out and or promote? Well, uh, and also, this episode after PAX. That's okay. Yeah, I'm going to be spending the weekend at PAX East doing a million panels, which will be really fun. Um, one of them is um, called Teaching Children to Play with Knives, and it's about sort of like um, how do you talk about more challenging topics with kids in RPGs, and one about sort of how RPGs can help with character, like the mm-hmm. children's own character in that frame. Um, and one's about using games in the classroom. And the last one is about Inspirials, which is um, a wonderful um, tabletop role-playing game uh, that helps you learn American Sign Language. And that's, I'm a PhD student at Leslie University, and that's nice. my current research is on that, and I just got approval to do a real research study. So I'm so excited. Congratulations. So if you're interested in those things, you should check me out on Twitter at Calliope, which is C-U-L-L-I-O-P-E, or Mm -hmm. I have a little website called Calliope's Cauldron that I'm always sort of messing around with. So that's what I'm up to these days. Yes. Um, But yeah, I think... You know, as we move forward in education and we we move away from this model of sort of like filling people's heads up with content and move more towards skills because mm-hmm. the content, you can Google pretty much anything, but you have to know how and you have to, you have to be curious and uh, role-playing games are so, so good for teaching all the skills that middle schoolers are working on. They're role-playing mm-hmm. every minute of their life at 11 and 12 and 13 years old. So, so yeah. So, yeah, that's the long-winded version of what I am up to these days. 
The Humphrey Road OCs is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be found through Acast and your local podcasting platform of choice, hopefully including Spotify. Our theme song is Violet by Poddington Bear, courtesy of the Free Music Archives. We can be reached at waywardocpod at gmail.com or at waywardocpod on Twitter. If you would like to talk about Wayward or the other Corner Podcast Network shows, uh, we have our own Discord server. There should be a permit invite on the Twitter, but if you can't find it, message one of the show Twitters and we can get you that invite link. Uh, I am always looking for guests to talk about the original characters on the show, so feel free to drop me a line if you or someone you know is interested in talking about your OC. Uh, I do also have a Google form, which is the pinned tweet on the Wayward Twitter account. It's just got preliminary questions, you know, like where your character is from and when you're available to record. Uh, so feel free to fill that out, uh, or you can always reach out directly. And as with all podcasts, it is super helpful if you can subscribe and review us on your listening platform of choice, because it helps us to find a wider audience and to brighten more people's days. So, thank you all for listening. This is Bethlehem for Widow Seas, and we hope you enjoyed your stay. Oh, excuse me a second. A cat followed you? <laughs> my daughter just came home. Okay. Well, pick her up and bring her in. So, what like were you like saying about having like whatever cat <laughs> in the middle of this podcast? <laughs> First ever adoption in a podcast recording. Oh my gosh, right? <laughs>